what's up, everyone? It's your host, Mario Fraioli. We are doing something a little different this week. It is the first installment of our new monthly crosscast with the host of the Grounded podcast, Danae Dormy. She and I will come at you at the end of every month for kind of a variety show of of things. Um, you know, she and I come from very different backgrounds. I'm a white guy who grew up in New England. I now live in California. She's a native woman, native to New Mexico, went to school in New England. We've had very different life experiences, but we share a lot of commonalities too, mostly around running, family values, and other interests such as music, which we talked a bit about in this episode. So, I really hope you enjoy it. Um, it's a little bit of everything. We talk about where we are at respectively right now, personally, professionally, and athletically. We geek out a little bit on podcasting. We talked about what's been exciting us in running of late. In future episodes, we hope to take Q&A from listeners, so feel free to reach out to either one of us and send us your questions. We'll try to answer them on a subsequent episode of Common Ground. And that's really about it. I'm super excited to do this. I've been mentoring Danae for a little over a year now as she's gotten her podcast off the ground. We've become very good friends. And I mean, we just really enjoy talking to one another. We've said many a time after our weekly mentoring sessions, hey, we should have recorded that. It would have made for a great podcast. So really, this is what that is trying to be. So this will be our first installment of it. It is brought to you this month by New Balance. New Balance is a longtime sponsor of the Morning Shakeout. I am a longtime devotee to their products. The 1080 V11 is my go-to trainer. I wear it for about 80% of my miles, most of my distance runs, long runs. It is a real workhorse of a shoe. The V12 will be out later this year. I am super excited to give that a try, but the V11 is still in line. You can get it at your local run specialty store or on newbalance.com. This episode is also brought to you by my friends at Gooder. Gooder sunglasses are just the best. I mean, they are super stylish and they are also super affordable with most pairs coming in at like 25 to 35 bucks a piece. I wear them for everything. I take them out running. I've got a pair in my car. I've got a pair that I walk the dog in. They come in a variety of fun styles and colors. My favorite ones are the OGs because uh, I'm kind of plain and simple like that. And my favorite colors are Ginger Soul and Mick and Keith's Midnight Ramble. Uh, check them out for yourself at gooder.com slash Mario. If you use the code Mario15 at checkout, that's all caps, M-A-R-I-O-1-5, you will get 15% off your entire order. That's it for the introduction. A big thank you to both New Balance and Gooder for sponsoring this episode of the show. I hope you enjoy this first installment of our new monthly crosscast series, Common Ground, with myself and Danae Dormy. Let's just start talking then. Um, this is our first installment of what we are calling common ground and it will be a new monthly series on both of our podcasts. Danae, I'm super yep. <laughs> excited to be doing this with you. Um, I know what we want this to be, but I guess we should start just by talking about 
how this idea for doing a monthly series came to be and what we hope for our listeners to get out of it. Yeah. Hi, Mario. I'm so excited about this show. And it's something that I feel like we've been wanting to do for a while. So welcome to your listeners, to my listeners. I'm sure we have some crossover in that group. But if not, we've both done episodes, solo episodes, I guess, like in the past with each other, regular, you know, interview or conversation style. And we've always found a lot to talk about, or I feel like we always spend our time in weekly meetings talking about life, talking about running. And we always said, to ourselves, wow, we should have recorded that. <laughs> so I guess this is us recording it. <laughs> yeah. So those of you in the audience, you're pretty much just like eavesdropping on one of Danae and I's. Uh, this is going to be monthly, but we normally talk weekly about both of our podcasts. I've been mentoring Danae for a little over a year now as she got grounded off the ground, really. And, you know, while we talk about like very tactical, like podcasting things in some of those conversations. I mean, we always end up diverting somewhere and we're talking about yeah. music or our families um, or just various things that we're, you know, we're struggling with in life. And I mean, I, I guess we'll do like a little bit of, of that in, in this show, but I mean, we, you know, we also talk about the sport, things that are happening in running, whether it's races that we're excited about or that caught our attention, you know, over the past weekend, um, but also issues in the sport and in the industry. And I mean, those are, you know, those are always coming up and they're always evolving. And I hope that we're able to do some of that here on this monthly installment of Common Ground. Yeah. And like you said, I feel like, you know, you've been mentoring me for, I guess it's been over a year now. And it's funny because when I, I remember you first called me, like we set up a phone call and I didn't know anything about you. <laughs> I, had, I kind of listened to your podcast here and there, but I got connected to you through Tracksmith and I was like, oh, okay. Like I'm going to talk to this very experienced podcaster and just get some tips and tricks from him. And after that first conversation, which I think was also very long, uh, I felt like really good energy from you. And I just remember thinking, okay, like this is, this is really interesting. He's actually very invested in mentoring me. And I don't meet a lot of people like that who just willingly give away their free time to help me out. <laughs> and I think that was something that I really valued. And, and it gave me a lot of confidence to go out into the world and talk about the mechanics of podcasting. And I'm sure that's something maybe we'll talk a little bit about here too, on top of all the things you just listed. But it's been a pretty wild year for me to become a podcaster and do mm -hmm. something that I had no experience in doing. I had no experience audio editing. I had no experience hosting or interviewing um, really. And I think a lot of what I've soaked in has come from our personal conversations and your advice and everything I use. People will say, what do you record on? What, do, what mic do you use? And I'm like, uh, everything I do is just basically what Mario told me to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, that means a lot to me because I had no previous like podcasting mentoring experience. Uh, no offense to Tracksmith. I don't blame this on them at all, but they really didn't give me any guidance. They just introduced me to you via email. I didn't know anything about you either. And off we went and we had an initial phone call and I think it lasted over an hour. And I mean, as you just described, I felt like we connected almost instantly, even though we had never spoken before that day. And I mean, it's just our relationship has grown Ever since we've been on one another's shows, we bounce ideas off of each other um, all the time. And I feel, you know, really grateful to 
both you and Tracksmith for giving me the opportunity to be your mentor because in that role, I've been able to learn a lot myself and I've reminded myself of, of different things. I mean, yes, about like the mechanics of, of podcasting, but also like you're, you're new at this, you know, and I've been mm -hmm. at it for almost six years at this point. And it's helpful for me to remember, you know, what that's, what that's like. And to think back when I was in your shoes, trying to figure this out too, like what mic do I buy? Like what recording software do it's I rough use? Out here how, in year one. <laughs> how do I, how do I structure my show? How do I reach my audience? How do I respond to listeners? Like all that, you know, yeah. all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, you know, while, while I am like in the mentor role, I think I've learned just as much from, from you, not just about, about podcasting, but just, you know, about, about you and like your background in running the role that it's held in your life, like the perspective with which you view the sport and industry that I've been involved in for 25 years yeah. now, but in a completely different capacity to the way that you have. And that's really helpful and instructive for me. Yeah, definitely. And you've met my dad and sister, which I, I have. which I think is really cool. Um, so we have met in person, which is which was a little surreal after talking so long virtually, like through a pandemic. Um, but I think I'm I've always been really good at just kicking back with uh, coaches because <laughs> that was my dad and most yeah. of his colleagues. And I spent a lot of my childhood like running around track meets. And so, uh, and even like my dad is one of those coaches who just, I'm sure many, many coaches do this, but he keeps score throughout a meet and has his little piece of paper or notebook and, and pen. And it's always like a crumpled up piece of paper. And <laughs> I think he used to be like, Danae, run and find, you know, how, what, what were the results of the shot put? And he would just send me to the other side of the field, you know, to grab stuff like that. And so I feel like I spent a lot of my upbringing connecting with people who love to talk about track primarily and and other sports, but when you met my dad it felt very it felt very natural like you were just you were just a colleague, you were a friend, you were somebody in the same community as us who could just talk about things quickly and immediately and I think that um, that partially inspired us to do a show like this. So yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for all of, hopefully all the things people will learn about us, uh, through this type mm -hmm. of platform. And also like the questions we'll hopefully be able to answer for people. And, and that can be helpful maybe to others out there who are interested in the sport or podcasting or whatever it may be. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, ditto to all of that. And I mean, I think something you just touched on, as far as like, you know, track and field and, and running goes, even though, you know, you grew up in New Mexico, I grew up in Massachusetts, I now live in California. I mean, the, the running slash like track and fields community even if you don't know someone personally, it's pretty widespread and yeah. there are a lot of like commonalities there. And, you know, you speak a similar language as it relates to, you know, track meets and, you know, how they're scored and like, what's a good performance and all that. And I mean, because you were the daughter of a coach, you grew up in like a running crazy household. Your mom is also a very, you know, avid runner. I mean, you've been around the sport and like kind of following it, mm -hmm. you know, pretty much your entire life. I mean, and you're still a big fan to this day. I mean, I'm a big fan of the sport and, you know, there's, you know, there's a commonality there. We're also very, very different. You know, I'm like yeah. a white guy from Massachusetts. You're a native woman from New Mexico. And I mean, I think all of that comes together. And, and even though, you know, we joke that, oh, it's kind of a, a quirky name, but common ground. I mean, and that's really, I think what we're going to try yeah. to do 
in this show and and to show others who are listening to this like you know you can be very different from one another but because we're all runners and we have this mutual interest um you can find a common ground in that even if you're interested in different things i mean if someone's interested in sports someone's not um the role that running plays in someone's lives for some it's a competitive outlet for others it's you know you know mental stress relief that sort of thing um so i mean we're going to kind of touch on i think you know, all of those things and and then some over the course of this podcast journey. Yeah, for sure. And I think it was almost, it was almost to my benefit to maybe not be a very <laughs> extremely talented runner, let's say. <laughs> I was a very average speed runner. I focused on other sports and activities growing up and it allowed me to look sort of what felt like from the outside in. And I think as I've become an adult, I'm like, oh, I was always inside of the sport or inside of running and feeling like I had another perspective from my mom that, that gave me like that cultural side of things. Mm-hmm. It helped me connect in a different way than um, even like either of my parents do because I'm a kind of a blend of both of them. But right. having not competing actually was really... I was kind of on the sidelines for track. You know, I ran, I ran JV track. I, I obviously practiced with, you know, with the team every day and I was a member of that team. Like track is a great sport because oftentimes they don't cut in high school and it allowed me to score all the varsity meets growing up and it allowed me to be able to observe what my dad was doing. I think in a way that I actually couldn't do as often in basketball because he was my coach and I was focused on playing my best game and, and, you know, performing and being in my own headspace and zone. But in track, I, I did a lot of observing and even in cross country as well. I think I had an opportunity to absorb running from an early age, like because of that. And so mm-hmm. I think that's what allows me to have these conversations. And it taught me to like use that in my life as a way to connect with other people. Yeah. And I mean, the fact that you've stuck with it too, I don't think can be overlooked because there are a lot of people who grow up with the sport who may mm-hmm. run in high school on the cross country track team. Then they go to college like you did. You did not compete collegiately in running. No. And, a, and for a lot of people, they they fall off. You know, they either stop running themselves, they lose interest in the sport, and then it's no longer part of their lives. But for you, like, it's always remained a part of your life. And now you're in this, you know, new phase where, and we'll talk about this at some point, whether on this episode or a future one, you're going to train for your first marathon later this year. Yes. <laughs> new York City, which I'm super excited about. But you're also someone who has a voice in the space through your podcast. And, you know, you are reaching a very different audience than me. I think we do have some overlap, but by and large, our audiences are, are different. And I think that's that's great. Um, but you're still involved in the sport and it's it's a lifelong like passion that, you know, that you have. And I just, I don't know, I have, I have a ton of like admiration for that um, because, you know, the paths that we followed are, are very, very different, but we still work in the same space and we still have a very similar, you know, love for not only the, the sport of running, but the role that it plays and has played in each of our lives. Yeah. And I've talked a little bit about this in our episodes we've done together on both of our shows, but New Mexico is full of running. Like, I don't think it's always the first place people think about when they think about running hubs and cities out there, uh, you know, that we, that we hear about all the time, the, the boulders, the flagstaffs. And I think for me, I always felt like, oh, the Albuquerque 
you know, falls right into that. We have some mm-hmm. amazing indoor track that my dad would drag me to every weekend in high school. Again, I wasn't, I wasn't on the varsity track team, but because my dad wanted to see every indoor meet, you know, every Saturday through January and February, we would go down to the convention center here in Albuquerque, which is a beautiful indoor track. UNM hosts a lot of different meets here. Um, I will be at the Mountain West Indoor Championships this weekend, and I'm just I think I'm grateful that, you know, UNM has always had a really strong distance program. I've just had a lot of opportunities to soak in um, different types of running and seeing native athletes is very common here. So Mm -hmm. I think I saw a lot of myself, even though I wasn't competing, it wasn't it wasn't odd to see like a native coach, you know, at the high school level or, um, you know, a native athlete at the college level. I think I saw a lot of athletes who looked like me in this state and that was that was really a blessing because it gave me a lot of confidence to talk about the sport. I went to the East Coast and it was not the same. I used right. to run 5Ks and things in, in Connecticut and they were majority white, I would say. And you could tell that running was something that you almost, it almost felt like you had to have money to participate in it to me. And I think in New Mexico, like I grew up in such a different environment where it was, you know, high levels of participation in track. The state track meet was always really popular. I think we have a lot of warm weather that supports cross country and track in both seasons here. Um, I just think that there's so many talented native teams at the high school level that are easy to follow because they're amazing runners. So I, I, yeah, it was just always a part of where I came from in the narrative of this area and region. I need to get back down there. I've only been to Albuquerque once. It was actually to attend a Brooks Beast's training camp. So there are professional groups that have based themselves in Albuquerque over the years. But I need to see that. I need to experience it. I need you and your dad to just kind of like, you know, show me around. I mean, your dad sounds like your dad's like kind of the the mayor of like high school sports in Albuquerque. Kind of how it feels. (laughs) He used to to open the track sometimes or like he would get requests for um for like pros to practice at our high school Mm -hmm. track you know he he had to deal with those types of requests often I feel like as an athletic director and and Brooks is a group that is here often actually but so you kind of you're aware of like who's training in the area it's cool because we have such talented distance runners that like I'll be running some of my favorite trails and like Winnie Kaladi will like run by me and I'm like oh hey (laughs) so it's kind of a cool place to be and I think people talk about like Boulder like that or other cities Mm -hmm. like that but it happens here pretty often and people people train at altitude here all the time we're basically you know we're basically at a mile high as well we're very similar to to Denver Yeah, it's very underappreciated, I think, compared to other areas of the country. So I need to come down there, spend some time with you and your dad, and really just like soak up the entire scene. I can't think of two better tour guides than the both of you. So we'll have to make that happen, hopefully sometime this year. We'll talk about it (laughs) offline. But where should we dive in here now that we've got some background on the, the show out of the way. Should we just catch up with one another about just where we're at yeah. right now, personally, professionally, athletically, and otherwise? Yeah, for sure. I would I would love that. You can go first. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Um, we're having this conversation late February, and I am actually getting my wisdom teeth out tomorrow. So by the time this uh, this episode wow. airs, okay. yeah. I uh, I will I will have four less wisdom teeth uh, than I do right now. It'll actually be my first time 
going under anesthesia, which trips me oh, out a little bit. Because I still have my wisdom teeth, Mario, and they keep telling me, you don't need to take them out. You don't need to take them out. And <laughs> I'm scared. Oh, see, for me, it was the opposite. They were like, you need to take them out. You need to take them out. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'll do it. I'll, yeah, I'll do it. And then like, you know, insurance wouldn't cover it for a while. And now it's like early in the year. I haven't had any other dental work done. So I don't really have much of an excuse. And it, the dentists have kind of made it a little scary because I have two wisdom teeth that, I mean, I can see myself on the x-rays will eventually become problematic. So I either okay. die, I either deal with them now while they're not problematic or I'm forced to deal with them later, which is never fun, especially when it comes to dental work. I've, I've been there as well, but they're like, well, while we're in there, I might as well take like all four of them out. And I'm like, sure, you might as well do that. So anyway, wow. I've got that. I've got <laughs> that coming up tomorrow. Uh, Wait, so, can you run after that? Like how do you, can you do you just rest for like a few days? You're probably, I have no like, idea. I'll let you know. So I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure the, the oral surgeon hasn't dealt with too many dedicated runners. I'm sure he'd tell me like just rest through the weekend and yeah. you might be good to go come Monday. I'm just going to see how I feel. I, I don't have any intentions to run through the weekend. I mean, if I feel good enough, maybe Saturday or Sunday, I will, but I'm just going to rest and take it easy. I'm actually looking forward to that. Um, so I feel like I've been go, go, go since yeah. the beginning of the year. And like, it's crazy that you know, a, a medical procedure that's going to knock me out and require recovery is what is going to like force me to rest for a few days. But hey, I'm going to, I'm going to take it. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm going to take... talk about that. You need to rest more. Mario. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to take that. Um, so I've got that coming up. Um, otherwise, I am turning 40 in a few months, which I've written about many a time in the mm -hmm. newsletter. I am very excited about that, mostly from a running standpoint, because I enter the master's age category and it yeah. feels like a blank slate and kind of a fresh start. Uh, it'll be, you know, fun to race other folks who are 40 plus. I mean, the last track race I ran a few weeks ago, I got beat by a kid half my age. <laughs> um, so I'll be happy to not have to deal with that on a regular basis. So I've been training pretty well here in the early part of the year and I just am enjoying running, not just, you know, training and doing workouts and racing, just running and the role that it plays in my life, probably more than ever. And I'm I'm not mm. exaggerating when I say that, which is crazy because I've been doing it for like 25 years. Um, but I've had periods of my life where running, it's never been my job, but it's felt like a job and yeah. it's, you know, felt like a chore and I put a lot of pressure on myself to perform. And I'm at a point right now where I am just excited to see what's possible as I get older and using competition is like a, a bit of a, a barometer. Like I'm not trying to run like personal bests or anything like that. And maybe that's something psychological with like turning 40 where you're like, mm -hmm. oh, your PRs kind of start over when you hit 40. So you're not comparing yourself to, you know, 15, 20 years ago, but I'm excited to just compete. I've got a couple other track races lined up. I'm going to run the BA 5k Boston marathon weekend, which cool. will be a lot of fun uh, just to be a part of that weekend and in, in some sort of competitive capacity. Um, yeah. while not doing the marathon. So, you know, that's just where I'm at running wise right now. And then, you know, on the work side of things, I mean, a lot of people, I guess, like just don't realize this about me, but I spend most of my working time coaching athletes. I right. think I'm more known for the podcast and the newsletter because they're out in the public and they come out consistently every week. So, you know, listeners and readers are, are reminded of, of my output there. And but how many athletes do you coach? I coach 18 athletes right That's now. That's a lot. 
it's it's a lot. 15 to 20 is kind of my range with everything else that I'm doing. Like that's a good balance for me, but it's year round. And yeah. I mean, most of my athletes weren't racing at all through 2020 and part of 2021, but really starting last fall with the return of fall marathon season, that really kicked up and it's just continued to build momentum. So I've got athletes racing almost every weekend and it's a That's lot of intense, communication yeah. and back and forth. And and it is like, it is intense, but I love it. I mean, I love much like, you know, our relationship and mentoring you. I mean, I think mentorship is just like coaching without like, you know, writing the weekly training plan. And yeah. I do a lot of that, you know, with my athletes and with 18 of them, I mean, I'm in contact with all of them to one degree or another throughout the course of a week. And, you know, that adds up. So that's been pretty busy of late. And I'll actually be going to some races over the next couple of weekends, not this weekend. So I'll be recovering from my wisdom teeth extraction. But starting next weekend, I mean, I've got way too cool 50K I'll be at, Napa Marathon that I'll be at the next day. So that's a busy weekend just being out there supporting athletes. But um, it's pretty busy right now, but it's exciting. I mean, I love that athletes have things to work toward. And I mean, yeah. we navigated that during the pandemic when there weren't these dates on the calendar that we were pointing to six, eight, 10, 12 weeks away. Um, so I'm excited that athletes have those opportunities. And it's, you know, it's sort of just like, shifted the excitement level up a couple notches. So I've got a lot of that going on. And then with the newsletter and podcast, uh, just sticking to my weekly cadence, newsletters hitting inboxes every Tuesday, podcast gets put out every Monday afternoon. I'm actually, uh, we should talk about this because I, I feel like not enough podcasters will admit to this, but I am actually at a point where I'm four episodes ahead right now in terms of recording. And I wow, only put out one me, episode Mario. a week. <laughs> well, I've been there. Um, I've been there over the past five wow. years or so. And well, hey, this is this is rare for me. This is why I'm excited about it. But I think it's worth talking about because I feel like podcasters who do, it doesn't even have to be an interview style show, but when you do interview style shows, you need to line up the interviews and find a time to record, get it edited and, lot, and all yeah. of that. And, and it is a lot. I think it's more than most people think, but I've had more weeks than I care to admit where it'll be like Wednesday or Thursday, the week before I release an mm -hmm, episode on mm -hmm. Monday. I'm like, <laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing. And I've got to figure it out. But right now I'm four weeks ahead, which is a rarity for me. And I hope to stay there. Now that I'm there, I'm like, okay, I've got to try and stay there um, for the at least the rest of the year and just kind of make that a habit because it gives me a little bit more flexibility. It's a lot less stressful when you know you have an episode ready to go. And because I don't uh, necessarily put episodes out that are, are super timely, like, oh, this person just, you know, crushed this race. So we're going to have this mm -hmm. episode out or they've got, yeah, yeah. you know, a race upcoming. Um, I've got a little bit more flexibility there, but I'm ahead with podcasts, which is really, really exciting because when you're not ahead with podcasts, it's really, really stressful. <laughs> I'm happy for you, Mario. <laughs> I, uh, I, my life is, I'm living in complete and utter chaos right now. And <laughs> my, uh, first year of podcasting, <laughs> I guess I can't even say that. I guess I'm technically in year two, but still chaos. And I am very happy for you. And I really hope to be in that place one day, but I think I'm living on the complete opposite end of the spectrum because I feel like right as my podcast, it took, it took like, I would say six to eight months to really ramp up and gain a listener base. And 
I mm-hmm. actually would say that's like relatively unusual, but I had the support of Tracksmith. So, you know, it wasn't all just because I, you know, came out the gates and, and smashed it. I, I did my best and it was, I think, hopefully a really good product, but it was very helpful to be a part of the Tracksmith Fellowship and it it expanded, you know, my listener base. But taking a, some time off over the winter months, over December and January was very necessary for me because my full-time job is a nine to five. It's a regular, mm-hmm. you know, I've got to clock in for work and do a lot of different things throughout the day that are completely unrelated to running and podcasting. Um, I work in college access and I used to be an admissions officer uh, at Yale. And so working with like highly selective college admissions and native students, most of the time, the summer is our big season because we have a program where we bring in, well, virtually right now it's a virtual program because of the pandemic and it has been for the past two years, but we work with over 200 native students every summer on completing their college applications. And this is kind of the prep season for that. And so I think I did not fully anticipate what it would feel like to take that big break and have enough time in my day to do everything and, you know, get go through my daily routines and go for walks and be very leisurely. And then I hit the ground running in February again with the podcast. And it was very difficult to make that type of comeback. So for me, I think I'm in a, I'm in a state I'm just in the state of chaos, but I'm just trying to like live in it and live through it and kind of get things back together. I, it, I think talking candidly about my podcast experience has been very important. So my listeners know that in my introductions, I kind of give a little bit of what I'm doing that week. Mm-hmm. And I was very honest in the fact that I was like full on, I guess, late, you could say on my first episode. And I think it allowed me, I feel like I've had to hit a lot of different podcast milestones over the past year. And they're just these natural things you have to go through. Maybe the first time you do panic because you don't have a guest lined up. Maybe the first time you do feel like an episode is going to be put out late. The first time you have to cancel for a week. Like I've feel like I've hit all of those at this point. And I was so anxious about putting an episode out late because it felt like so much was swirling around me. Something a lot of people don't know is that my grandma got COVID and pneumonia at the same time. And that was really difficult. So she's living with my parents now and I've just been providing a lot of like emotional support on that end. And I think I just knew like, wow, I had this comeback, but it feels very challenging. And I felt like talking honestly about that was really helpful and understanding that sometimes when you start a project, you just have to go through the harder moments of it, of, you know, missing a mark or a deadline and then having to kind of get back up and keep going. (laughs) So I learned a lot of lessons in the past month, I would say. And now I feel a lot more relaxed around, you know, people are, they're just, they're just going to have to wait for the episode sometimes. <laughs> and I think I just learned that if, um, you know, I'm just doing my best and hopefully one day I won't, I won't feel so chaotic and I can have a more like thorough process where I have more help. Cause I think that's ultimately what it's, what it's about. So I'm living on the very opposite end of you right now, but I think like, it's very inspiring to see you, to see you live that out, Mario. <laughs> but I've, I've been there. And to your point, it is part of the process of being a podcaster. And I think any other podcasters who are listening to this can certainly relate. They've been there themselves. And also, as you just described, life happens. And 
people who listen to our shows and, and not just like your show and, and my show, but like who listen to shows tend to be loyal listeners of shows. Some yeah. folks will cherry pick from time to time, but you're, you're true fans. And we've talked about this before. Like your truest fans are always going to be there for you shout out and to they're the going to be fans. waiting. <laughs> shout out to the true fans. I mean, yeah, I echo that a hundred percent. They're going to be there for you, whether you put out an episode next week, next month, or if for whatever circumstances next year or something like mm -hmm. they're they're going to be there for you uh, and they're going to be excited when that that episode comes out and i mean i've had to remind myself of this many times over the last 5 years because you know i'll get a one off message from someone who's mad at me for x y or z reason you know is wondering <laughs> like where you know where the episodes are like I, i've taken like two week breaks here and there just to just to give myself some some breathing room and you know you get a message like you know you're not doing the podcast anymore and it's like well you can't be listening that closely because i told you in the last episode that you know i'm taking a little bit of a break and i'll be back early early right. next month but it's you know it's like i've remind myself like the the people who really love the show who are the biggest supporters are also going to be the most understanding as well and recognize that we're human beings. Life happened. Like you mentioned, your grandma got sick. Um, you know, we get sick. Uh, various things yeah. happen that, you know, will prevent an episode from getting out from time to time. And you know what? The world keeps spinning. Um, and I think it's just yes. a, it's just an important reminder to, to give yourself from time to time that it's going to be okay. Yeah. You're the one who told me there are a few things that can't wait that – what is it? There are a few things that like can't wait till tomorrow. And I feel like I just have had to really take in that piece of advice and tell myself like if I, I can't pull an all nighter for this, like I need to rest. Mm -hmm. I need to actually go to sleep so I don't get sick. And so I can, you know, get to my like doctor appointment or my movement appointment or whatever it is, because I think that's what I lost myself in a little bit in my first year of podcasting. And that's probably my biggest piece of advice is to like not be afraid to take breaks. I think it's mm -hmm. been really important for me because it's just unsustainable with another job to be perfect at all times at the exact time, you know, on Wednesdays. And I did that for I don't know, probably like the first 20 episodes. And I would, I remember I had like a full on breakdown and cried the first time my episode was late. And now that's not something that like stresses me out as much, but because I think my listeners are aware, I think it's just important to be honest and open with people in that. Okay. If you aren't somebody who releases episodes at the exact same time, then people know that they'll just either get a notification or they'll check it when they're available. We can't all just sit around listening to podcasts all the time. So I think for the most part, people are understanding of their schedules, but, uh, but I think that the greatest thing about relaxing a little bit, uh, these past few weeks and understanding that I just have to do this on my own schedule is taking care of myself more. Mm -hmm. And I've been going on walks every single day for like probably two or three weeks now. And it's been the best thing. I was realizing I wasn't getting a lot of sun. Like New Mexico has pretty decent weather. We're in again, some chaos right now because it's snowing one day, 65 degrees the next day, snowing the next day. Um, but I still like I went for a walk in the snow last night, which was very beautiful. And I oh, think it's just amazing. been it, it was so beautiful. I never walk in snow and it was so quiet. And my partner, Reen and I were like, let's just go for a walk. It was very late, but we were just like so inspired by the snow. <laughs> it was very cheesy, but it was so peaceful. It's very quiet. I was like, wow, I wish I could actually run in snow. I don't do that ever. 
But it was such a nice experience. And I think to walk every single day has allowed me to get more sun. It's helped me with like my movement and stretching exercises. I started working with a formal movement and strength coach finally in February this month. And I'll be working with that person probably through the New York City Marathon. That's the plan. Um, so that's going to be part of the maintenance I have to do to keep my my feet uh, healthy given like all the chronic pain I experienced. So I'm very excited to prioritize that and to be in a place to do that. But sometimes that means that the podcast does have to take just a slight backseat for the day. And I've made peace with that. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad to hear that. And I'm glad that you are and I don't say this in a bad way, like being selfish and just taking care of yourself because by yeah. doing that, by getting outside and getting some sunshine and fresh air, by getting good sleep at night, you're just going to be a better version of yourself in every area of your life. Like as a yeah. as a partner, as a runner, as a, an employee of, of your company and as a podcaster as well. Mm -hmm. And And I mean, that sounds really simple, but it's easy to forget. I think we just need to remind ourselves of that from time to time. Like it's, it's, it's okay, you know, to, to be selfish because that's just going to allow us to be the best version of ourselves in whatever it is that we do. Yeah. And I preach on my show so much to, especially to other native women to take care of themselves, because I think this can be a very hard world to exist in as a woman of color. And there's so many different headlines swirling around and ways that I, do feel the weight of that every day. Mm -hmm. And even with like something like my grandma getting COVID, um, knowing that that has really impacted my family on the reservation and she lives on the reservation. And so her living here with us is very different. Um, there's just been so many things weighing on me and I'm like, wow, I am also a native woman and I also need to take care of myself and don't listen to that very often and exclude myself from my own, you know, advice that I send out into the world on my show. So I think that's something that I'm, I feel like it's part of my indigenous or Navajo value system to rest and to take care of myself and to prioritize the things that keep me healthy, whether that's just like eating a, like meals at the right time every day or going for a walk in the sun, which has been a really big one and stuff like that. So, you know, it's just, I think it's going to make the show better, honestly. And I do still have an episode every week. It's just not quite as like, you know, solid on the dot this time on a Wednesday. And I'm okay with that as long as I keep communicating with everybody involved. <laughs> well, I need to take some inspiration from your example, because even though I've been doing this for five or six years, all the things that I preach. I am. I am still like <laughs> maniacal about getting the newsletter <laughs> scheduled for two fifteen on Tuesday morning. Getting the podcast out on Monday afternoons at at one thirty, and it's not always the you know the healthiest thing. I mean, on on one level, I'm like proud of that consistency. On the other side, and I've written about this before and shared that it stresses me out, and I have definitely yeah. like lost sleep because of that, and I know that mm -hmm. I shouldn't, and as much as I can say, like, you know, prioritize yourself so that you can be the best version of yourself, um, sometimes I don't. I think that's part of just like being human, but uh, next time I find myself in that situation, I'm going to think of you and be like, Danae, let go. It's okay that I let go. I did. I really like to hold me to that. the rules. <laughs> yeah, and I think I don't know. People can read that however they want, right? Like as lazy or as, um, you know, 
I don't know that I drop the ball on things, but I just don't believe that in myself. I'm like, no, I know that I actually work really hard and I record a lot of days throughout the week or I spend several hours editing my own episodes and I, you know, have to write the show notes and make the graphics and do all these different things. And I'm doing my own job and I'm trying to run and I'm trying to show up for my family and I'm trying to be a partner. So I think at a certain point, I just, yeah, I did. I had to let go and tell myself that it's sort of these like systems of capitalism that force us to prioritize like our productivity and our efficiency. I think that's what I said in my intro the other week. And I just don't believe in that. Like I really feel like the best thing I can do for the running industry, but also for myself and my show is be like a happy native person and to be somebody who takes care of myself so that I have longevity in the sport so that I have, um, you know, a positive experience, I guess, on this earth, which sounds really, I don't know, maybe it sounds a little like corny, but that's something I really believe. And I think letting go of my really strict like deadlines, that was one of the first things in my life I've ever just truly let go of. I'm a very um, deadline oriented person like you. And I think for the most part, I was pretty exact about releasing my show when I started And one of my best friends, Graciela, who has also been on my show, she will probably listen to this, (laughs) but she is a big podcast listener and listens to a ton of podcasts all the time. And so Mm -hmm. when I released my show, I asked her kind of for feedback about just little things that were happening along the way. And I remember the first time that my show didn't come out on time and I was talking to her about it over text message and she was telling me, you know... I listen to a lot of different kinds of shows and some of them release at the same exact time on the same exact day every week. And some of them release whenever they release a new episode and there's absolutely no cadence to it. She was like, I just know I still love them all. And I just kind of know their schedules and I just deal with their schedules. And I think that freed me from a lot of stress because I was like, well, I'm going to choose the latter before I get sucked into the other one. So, you know, Mario, there's still time for you to let go occasionally so that you can rest. Yeah, well, I mean, the the point being, I think we put this pressure on ourselves more often than not. And it is hard to let go, especially when you're doing all the things. And I mean, it is your baby, right? I mean, and you're just like, oh, no. And you you tell yourself like, no, 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 people are expecting it at this time. And and maybe that some are, but, you know, most people, as I said earlier, are just going to be happy to see it whenever it arrives because they like you and they know that it's going to be quality content for them to consume. Yeah. And I think this past year of my running too has taught me again, that kind of letting go part of things has been important because I've been so disconnected from running while doing the podcast, actually, um, both because of injury and pain, but also because of time, uh, you know, and just general busyness and kind of returning to that in 2022 has been important because I'm honestly terrified I have to run a marathon soon because <laughs> I think it's going to come up on me pretty quickly here. And, you know, November isn't that far away when you really look at it on a calendar. And so I know that I'm coming off of the longest stretch of my entire life, not really running. And that's something that that scared me. And I think I've never had to walk first. I've never had to walk run. I've never had to get back into it. I guess you could say I've always sort of been in it. And even if I get sick Mm -hmm. or get injured, I just jump right back in. 
not the case anymore. <laughs> and that's been really jarring for me. My body has gone through a lot of changes. And I think, you know, I just am not the same runner that I was in my early 20s. And I'm going to be 30 this year. So I think I'm just dealing with those changes as well, because I was so used to being the kind of person who never, never stretched, never did anything. I was very lazy about those things. I think because I had almost so much knowledge around everything from my dad and having his easy, you know, to grab plans for me ready to go or um, advice and access to, you know, weights, even like a trainer or a gym or whatever I needed. <laughs> I think I would just pop back out on the trail and everything would be fine. And now I'm like, okay, I get injured when I do that. <laughs> well, catch me up. Where are you with your running right now? I have been doing like a lot of walking right now. And then I've been doing some walk runs. I can, I can solidly run a mile still. So I haven't completely like lost track of myself, but I had basically taken most of 2021 off like mm -hmm. with virtually no running runs here and there. Um, you know, maybe a couple times a month I would feel like inspired to go for a run and I would do that. But in 2022, I was like, okay, I have to totally shift everything in my lifestyle to return to this. I think I had realized that what I was experiencing was less of an injury and more of just a really bad chronic pain issue and a lot of inflammation after talking to different specialists and hence me working with a movement and strength coach now. So that is kind of dominating my life right now as I return very slowly to running. And that's something that is a little bit difficult for me because it's just not my forte. Like I said, I've never done that. I've always been able to run a base level 5k with like no training. And, um, right now it's very weird to only be able to really run a mile. Like I'm really going to go from like a mile to a marathon. That's how it feels. <laughs> I, I don't know necessarily what kind of grit that's going to take, but I know it's going to take some base building before I jump into any type of real training, you know, over the summer. Has your relationship to running evolved over the past like year, year and a half that you've been navigating all of this? Yeah, because it used to be a stress reliever for me and it used to be an yeah. outlet in my life. And it's so strange. I don't know if you ever experienced this, but like once you start podcasting about running, it really becomes your whole life, right? I wake up every Monday morning and I read the Fast Women newsletter. I consume your newsletter. I follow a ton of runners on Instagram. I, you know, talk about running 24-7. I'm constantly scheduling interviews with runners that have interesting stories. But on the back end, I just almost completely dropped running in the first half of 2021. And at that point, that was partially because of the podcast. Like I think it was, I was telling myself that I was still struggling with, you know, some injury stuff, but I think I was also lying to myself a little bit. And I was like, well, I'm just really also not even trying to recover and not even trying mm -hmm. to um, rebuild myself as a runner. I just stepped back from it. And that has been a little strange because having something that's been an easy outlet for me that I've never stressed about has become something that I now feel like I have to sort of tackle. It, it feels hard now and running's never felt hard for me. And that has been, I don't know. I, it's just been sad. I think it's been a little bit sad, but also the challenges there. I think I now see it more as a as a goal in mind, but it's not so much a stress relief. Like when I go run, I have asthma and running used to keep my asthma at bay. Now my asthma is like raging when I'm running. And so that's super different. Um, I think I am 
trying to get used to my body, which has changed a little bit. Like I've definitely put on some weight. So my running feels different and it's not as like graceful and easy as it used to be. And so, you know, dealing with that and then dealing with my pace change, I think generally like puts me in a very different place. Um, mentally like it's just it's just not as smooth I think it feels clunky right now that's the best way to describe it for me yeah I mean all all of those things can affect your relationship to it and I think especially the the pace thing will mess with your head because I mean if you've been doing this long enough if you're someone who runs with a watch you can't not compare yourself to where you were a year ago (laughs) five years ago ten years ago and I mean, I have to work on this myself, especially as I, I'm getting older. I, I can't run as fast as, as I used to. And I've mm-hmm. I've learned to let that go. And that has been huge for me. But it's interesting to hear hear you describe that. And I think my perspective's different because I've been working in the the running industry now for pretty much like I mean 18 years since I graduated from college and and I always have and I've always you know tried to pursue running along with that and I've definitely had periods where I was putting more of my energy and attention into other things that had to do with running whether it was writing about running whether it was coaching other runners covering events you know all all that sort of stuff and and everything that you just described held true for for me and i had periods where you know i was injured as well which adds a whole another layer of you know com- complexity to it and i can't remember exactly when this happened but i mean it really you know it was within probably the last like 5 to to 7 years and the the pandemic really actually helped with this is i made that time for myself first couple hours of every day. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, 99% of the time I get out and I run within the first couple hours of every day. And I've always enjoyed running in the morning. I've never really been much of a, an afternoon person. So I don't think it has to be in the morning. Um, but by like protecting that time and it was easier to protect over the pandemic where I wasn't traveling and previously I was traveling a lot and that would always derail me. Um, you know, I'm not going into an office, so, you know, I don't have to deal with, you know, the, the deadline of like when I have to leave the house, like, you know, get to work, but just, just making that time and not letting anything interrupt it really helped to change my relationship to it because it was fully like just for me. And especially during the pandemic, I didn't have any competitive goals that I was chasing either. So I wasn't playing the comparison game, you know, quite, quite as much. And, and I think as far as like having a practice, like, during 2020 into 2021, it's held true till now. Like that has just been like such a foundational element for me. And and yes, like I still train hard and I, and now I have like goals that I, that I want to go after. But I think like knowing that I've done something for myself at the beginning of, you know, of every day and yeah, I'll meet with people to run. I'll do workouts from, you know, from time to time, but it doesn't feel like pressure and it doesn't feel mm-hmm. like I'm I'm squeezing it in it just feels like something that's important to me that I've I've prioritized and that I know if I take advantage of that that it's going to set me up for success the rest of the day I'll just be a better version of myself and in, in every aspect of of my life but I mean I've I've certainly been there. Like, again, like we were talking about all this with podcasting earlier, but I've been there as well, yeah. where I've just like, I've been injured and it felt like a chore and it wasn't something that I prioritized. And like, I would actually dread going out. And, and now it's like at a point where 
I'm like, okay, I, I've got this for me and nothing is going to like interrupt that time. And, and, you know, that feels good too. Um, and I think, yeah. you know, for, for you, like, you know, finding that slot of the day doesn't mean you have to run every day either, but it's like just making that time for yourself. Um, and, you know, being able to, as best you can, like kind of drown out all the other running related stuff that, that you're doing so that it doesn't, you know, affect your relationship with this, you know, with this pursuit that is, is wholly yours or should be wholly yours. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I don't listen to podcasts while I'm running anymore. Me either. It's, mm-hmm. it's something I used to do a lot and I still love podcasts, but I listen to them in different times, like while I'm washing the dishes or I'm in the car or I'm uh, doing something else around the house, like cleaning. But when I go out for running, I, I do have to listen to music. I'm very big on music and it is a big part of my running experience, but doesn't require me to process like information. Um, it just helps me set, set the tone for that. And it's mm-hmm. something I really, really value in my life actually. But, um, but yeah, I can't, I can't consume like heavy information while I'm running anymore. Um, I think, I think I'm also just swimming in so much knowledge about the running space, which I don't know if you feel this, um, as a coach, like I think I need a coach. I think I've just like lived my whole life able to just float around a little bit and take advice from all of the professionals that I've had really easy access to, including my dad. And ultimately, my dad doesn't coach like marathoners, right? He doesn't coach long distance runners. He coaches track and Mm -hmm. he coaches, you know, I guess a, a lot of different events within that, but none of them are late 20s women training for their first marathon and so he has a lot of knowledge around it but probably still not like the best uh, person that could be coaching me I think and and really with my dad too I don't like formally hire him as my coach I'm just like hey dad what should I do you know today or can you help me with this and and he will he'll like totally have great advice but I think even for me, like I need some accountability. I need some type of routine and I, I've never actually invested in myself like that as a runner. I think, um, you know, my running just for context has changed so much that I was running like 830 miles in 2020 and like 13 minute miles in, you know, 2022. So I've changed dramatically over time and having to get to know myself at that pace and time and, um, you know, this level of strength. I I don't feel particularly strong right now. I think that has been really challenging to like reintroduce myself to running. (laughs) Um, just a weird experience. But I'm glad to hear that you've started to make that investment in yourself. I mean, hiring a strength and movement coach to help get you back to where you want to be as an investment in yourself. And, and, you know, as a, as as someone who is, you know, a little over 10 years older than you, um, I actually did a coach's corner for my Patreon supporters last week with Pete McGill, who's a very accomplished masters runner and experienced coach. And I asked him for his like, Number one piece of advice for for aging runners. So I think this just, I mean, applies to all of us because we're always aging. He goes, the older you get, the less mistakes you can make. And I think that's so true. <laughs> and I think like doing like, you know, what you're doing and addressing, you know, strength and movement because you know that you need to, you know, you can't get away with not doing it anymore. Right. Um, (laughs) and that, and that, and that's an, that's an investment in yourself, but that's going to help set you up to get back to doing the type of running that you want to do. So I think just continuing to do stuff like that, making little investments in yourself to get you back to where you want to be. And I think when you get back to where you want to be, and this is what I was searching for 
for earlier, and I and it just kind of like dawned on me. Um, I've had periods of my life where running, like the actual act of running, felt like work. Um, and like you, yeah. like I work in running, so I write a newsletter about running. I coach runners. I have a podcast about running. And as much as I enjoy those things, like it is, it is work. Like that is yeah. how I I make my living. And I've put that kind of pressure on myself as an athlete before too, where it just felt like work. And now, like my relationship to it, when I go out first thing every day, I'm like, this is for me. This is not work. And I I don't consume any podcast. I don't even do music when I run. Um, for me, it's yeah. like, this is my time. Like no one can interrupt this time. I mean, again, I run with other people and I enjoy that time with my friends, but like, I don't have my phone with me. Like I can't be pinged. Um, you know, so, so it just kind of eliminates that because I want that to be play. Like for me, that's play. I mean, and I still go to the track with my friends every Wednesday and like we joke, like, and all of us, you know, ran in high school and or college. And when we go to the track on Wednesday and we do workouts, we always say we're playing track. Like we are playing track. And in the past, like I could go and I'd do workouts and be like, well, if I can't run these splits for 400 meter repeats, like why did I even come? Like I wasted my yeah. time. And now it's just like I'm going and I'm just going to have fun with it. And I'm going to run hard. And like what I hit is what I hit. And it's not going to like make or break my day, you know, whether I do that. So I think getting to that point and just like not having it be work because you have plenty of other work that is running related, yeah. but your own running should not be work. Uh, and I think – yeah. You will get to that place. And and when you get there, I mean, your relationship with it, I think will definitely change for the better. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I, I, I'm definitely hoping for that. And I'm very excited to train for a marathon. It's something I've always wanted to just challenge myself to do. I'm more of somebody who enjoys shorter races. I love 5Ks and 10Ks. I always have. I've run several half marathons. I can't, I can't say I loved those. <laughs> they were difficult. I, I enjoyed it, but it's, it's an awkward distance for me. I'm like, I either want to train for something that I can go a little slower, a little longer, or I'd rather run a 10 K. And so I'm, yeah, I'm just getting myself mentally prepared for what a training cycle for a marathon looks like and feels like. I talked to so many marathoners on my show, um, that it's interesting to gather little pieces of advice here and there, but I know it's gonna, it's gonna feel different for me as someone with like a chronic uh, issue as well. Um, training for a marathon with accessory navicular does not sound easy. And I'm definitely having to take on special circumstances with movement and strength for that. But I'm very inspired by the spring right now, I think, because my partner laughs at me. He has like no background really in sports sports or track and he's had to learn a lot of that through my family and get dragged to indoor meets and 5k's and he's been great about it and he loves running too but had no real experience in it and so I when we first met he would always laugh because springtime would roll around and mm -hmm. I'd walk outside and I'd be like oh it smells like track season and I always said that and it's such a specific smell to me that I just can't describe. I know exactly what you mean no you don't have to describe it I know exactly what you mean I think any anyone else who you know like us kind of grew up around the stuff knows exactly what you mean yeah, I it's just, it's in the air. It's like such a pure smell. And I'm sure that it, for norm, you know, for other people, it's like <laughs> spring. It smells like spring. But in my head, I cannot get it out of, you know, my memory. It's like, oh, it smells like track season. And especially in New Mexico, it's like you smell a mix of, it's a very windy this time of year. So you smell a mix of like the dirt, maybe a little precipitation, like, and, the, you know, it's, it's windy. It's swirling around. It's just such a great pure smell in New Mexico and I always knew that was a time of year my mm -hmm. dad was gonna was gonna kind of break out his track stuff and we were gonna be outside every day at practice and you know we were gonna go on 
long runs. I practice with the distance team, so lots of long runs off campus. And it was just such a nice time in my life and memory that it's always held through. And my partner laughs at me. He's like, it smells like track season. He's like, I have no idea what that means, but sure. <laughs> that's how I feel right now. And anytime that smell rolls around, I just want to run. Like it is the most, uh, it, it's just like the most instinctual thing for me to want to go out and get in a run, even if it's a short one, when spring rolls around. So this is probably my favorite time of year, maybe for running specifically uh, because of that. <laughs> Mine is the fall, and I've said this before, and I'm not just saying it because you said now it smells like track season, but coming <laughs> into the fall, I say the same thing. Like, smells like cross-country season. Like, yeah, it just has a very does. distinct, like, smell to it when the seasons change and, you know, you see people putting on, like, longer sleeves and, you know, leaves are starting to turn, air is starting to get a little bit cooler, and it just shifts. And, and to me, as someone who started running cross-country in high school – Mm -hmm. And through college, I mean, and even though I, I don't really race cross country anymore, though I am going to do it later this year, which I'm super excited about, it's still always cross country season to me, even if I'm not racing cross country. Uh, <laughs> I love I, we're, that. Uh, yeah, we are two dorks in a pod, but um, that's why we have this show and yeah. we can do stuff like this, um, which is amazing. Well, we don't have a ton of time left. Um, I do want to just catch up about things that are happening in running right now. I mean, this episode is going to get released early in the week for me, midweek for you. So the weekend will have gone past, but there's a lot of exciting racing that has happened uh, that is upcoming and happening. You just mentioned how you're going to go catch an indoor track meet in Albuquerque, yes. where you live, which is awesome. Uh, I am going to be paying attention to what's happening at various races, like U.S. Indoors is going to yeah, be happening so here excited. soon, which is cool. Uh, there's some high school national championships that are coming up. But what's exciting you in running right now from a competitive perspective? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just a tried and true women's distance fan, and I love indoor season. I think, like I said, because it's something my dad dragged me to every weekend, I ended up finding a very random love for it. And I think my dad would talk often about his racing in indoor. So I always follow a lot of different indoor races. I love watching. I love watching people run like the 3000 indoor and mm -hmm. stuff. And I've been loving watching Alicia Monson. I I absolutely enjoyed the Melrose games. I thought it was very fun to watch. I'm a big fan of Weenie Kaladi as well because she's from, she's she's often yeah. training in New Mexico. She New ran Mexico, for the University no. of New Mexico. Mm -hmm. I was super bummed because she did test positive for COVID before the Valentine Invitational recently. And so she didn't race that, but I have been very excited to, to watch her pro journey. She's one of my favorite runners to watch just because I get to watch her train in Albuquerque a lot. Um, but I'm, I'm very excited to see what, transpires at U.S. Indoor Nationals. That's like my favorite meet usually of the winter time. <laughs> yeah. Um, on the topic of Wendy Kalati, I mean, she is probably my favorite female distance runner right yeah. now. I mean, if I, so if cool. I could like buy stock in distance <laughs> runners, I would like, I would buy a lot of Winnie Kalati stock um, because I think that is just going to like really I mean, I think it's valuable enough right now, but she's so young. She's so talented. She's yep. such a great racer that 
over the next like four to eight years, I think she is just gonna like absolutely light up the track and the roads. I mean, she's I a tremendous she's road racer. Yeah, and I mean, you know, the shorter distance road races, which is kind of where she's gonna focus her attention. Now. I mean, I think she, you know, she's had she had some good ones like toward the end of last year, you know, in the fall on the roads and they don't get quite the cred that like the half marathons and, yeah. and marathons do. But I mean, that woman can race. I mean, she can race. And totally. uh, I'm just, I'm just really excited to, you know, see what she does in the, in the here and now, but not to get too far ahead, just down the road. I feel like she's just starting out. I feel exactly yeah. as you feel that this is just her, kind of warming up in a way and every time I watch her race I just feel like she's she's on the brink of something <laughs> that's exactly how I feel so I'm very excited to just see what happens there the field is very stacked I'm very excited for the Boston Marathon I'm a huge Nell Rojas fan so that's something else I'm looking forward to I was hoping to be in Boston for that um, just to catch up with some native people that are running as well but um, I'm really excited about the stacked pro field and I've been following Nell's training and I'm so excited that she got picked up by Adidas. Her dad used to race, you know, at the same time as my dad, and have been longtime family friends. So she's just somebody. Yeah, I, you had you I had her watching. and your yeah you had Nell and her dad on your yeah, podcast last year, one of my favorite episodes. And yeah. uh, spoiler to those listening here, we haven't recorded it yet, but I have Nell scheduled for a few weeks from now. We're going to have that conversation ahead of the Boston Marathon. I'm going to try to release it. I will definitely release it before the Boston Marathon. But I'm with you. I'm like high on Nell Rojas too. Um, she See, had a great race there. <laughs> she had a great race there last fall. She is now an Adidas athlete. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm excited that she was able to secure, you know, that partnership. Um, she did just fine without it, but I mean, having that level of support, I think, can really help take her to even that that next level, um, where you know she's contending for a podium spot at a major yep. marathon. But I'm with you. Like I, I am like fired up about. Boston Marathon this year. I'm always fired up about Boston because it's where I'm from. It's my hometown race. It's my favorite yeah. race. And it's it's crazy because Boston just happened in October. So now we've got like a six-month turnaround to the annual April edition of the race. And thank you, organizers of the London Marathon, for deciding to postpone London till October later this year, which just, I think, really allowed the elite coordinators at Boston yeah. to round up just like deep fields on the both field, sides, yeah. especially the women's side. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I don't have the list in front of me, but go look it up. I mean, the women's field for this year's Boston Marathon is crazy deep, and it's deep with top American talent, but yep. it also has an incredibly strong international field with which, if we're being honest, if the London Marathon were happening, they have very deep pocketbooks, the London Marathon, they would mm -hmm. have taken a few of, of those women and the men for that matter, and it wouldn't be as deep as it's going to be. But I think this year's Boston Marathon is going to be very, very special, very, very competitive. And I, I, I'm going to be there myself, and I can't wait to watch it unfold. Yeah, you're going to watch it. Do you know where you do you have a place you stand on the course? So <laughs> I've got five athletes that are, are racing Boston. So they're my awesome. priority. And I will try to get to three different spots on the course. So I always mm -hmm. go right to 10K. And that's in Framingham. And I'll wait for them all to come by at 10K. And then I will shoot to just past halfway in Wellesley, I know exactly where I need to go there, try to catch them coming by right around like 
13.4 miles in Wellesley. And then I will book it to Newton and get on the hills and catch him like right around like 21 miles, right. which means I miss the finish. It's yeah. it's really hard to get into Boston and catch them at the finish. And because the crowds are so thick there, you really can't, you know, get there and watch them anyway. But I always catch up with them after the finish line. But I'll hit those three spots on the course. And if I do it right, I usually catch the leaders coming through first. Um and so I do get to see what's happening at the front yeah. of the race, and then I can watch my own athletes come through. So that's my plan for race day. Um, it's it's a it's a little crazy. Um, if you were going to yeah. be there, I'd throw you in the car with me, and you know <laughs> I we would, would be so excited. <laughs> yeah, we would we would chase the race, which is always super fun. Um, so you'll have to do that at some point. But that's my plan for Boston. I'm excited about that. Before that. Um, Tokyo Marathon is going to happen. They mm-hmm. just announced their elite fields. Sarah Hall is going to do the Tokyo Boston double, I which I, I think know. is I is super <laughs> exciting and not surprising. I mean, she's done stuff like this before, um, and if anyone can have solid races at both, it's it's going to be Sarah Hall. Yeah. Uh, but on the men's side, Elliot Kipchoge is going to race Tokyo. He's never raced the Tokyo Marathon. I think this is his like first real step in trying to check all the majors yeah. off his off his list. I mean, selfishly, I was hoping that he would go to Boston, but we're going to have to wait for that a little bit longer. Um, But Tokyo should be an amazing event itself. And then in the lead up to Boston, we've got New York City half, which is going to be happening. And and they just both, announced their field as well. <laughs> yeah, both fields are are loaded um, mm-hmm. for the New York City half. And what I love about that race is it's a really challenging course. I ran it myself in 2018. It's not known to be super fast. The weather can still be very, very cold, but it's very much like a racer's race. And I think we're going to just see some it's not like every awesome... New York course. <laughs> it, it is, yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, I don't want to talk fact. about New York of any. I've run two half marathons in New York, primarily, you know, in Central Park around that area. But New York is the hardest place I've ever raced. So that's that said, though, the old New York City half course used to um, go down. uh, What's the name of the the highway there. It's escaping me right now, but it's very, very flat. And it was a much faster course. Um, the men's times would typically be around mm-hmm. like 60 minutes. I think the women's course record there was like, you know, 67-ish or, or so, but that course is no longer. But to your point, um, yeah, every pretty much every course in New York is like a racer's race, hilly course, whether yeah. it's like a 10K in Central Park, uh, the New York City half, or the New York City Marathon, which you will get to experience for yourself later this year, which is super yes. exciting. Dina Castor um, said in her book, it's like a cross country runners. I forget what she said. I forget the exact quote, but she kind of alluded to the fact that it's a cross country runner course, you know, and it's very hilly. It takes a lot of grit. That's what it was. It takes cross country mm-hmm. grit to run the New York City Marathon. And I was like, okay, I gotta prepare myself. You'll be ready. I, I have no doubt about that. So yeah, I mean that's a lot of I mean kind of what you know what I'm excited about here over yeah. the next uh, over the next few weeks. I mean, all the track stuff um, that is that is upcoming, but that has already happened has been super fun to watch. I mean, there have been national records, American records, world records being broken mm-hmm. on both the men's and women's sides. Uh, too many to to list it's been like here. A month I mean, of records, yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. And then and then the NCAA. I mean, is just on the on the distance side of things is just like insane like the men's mile mm-hmm. um i mean i think there's something like it was like 60 men who have oh 
broken four minutes. It's going to take like, you know, a sub 356 to get into the NCAA meet wow. um, at, at last check, uh, which is just like, that's, it's crazy. So crazy. I think we're, yeah, I mean, I think on the, on the track, especially um, and on the roads as well, but we, we really are seeing some pretty special stuff right now. And, yeah. and I'm trying to like, I'm trying to like soak it all in and and recognize because I I mean at some point things are going to level out they have to um, but I mean we it's are been seeing insane like indoor season I don't know if it's just coming off of probably a lot of just mm-hmm. the pandemic and all the thing you know all the races that we have lost over the past few years but it people have been flying like every indoor race I've watched has been so much fun and I feel like there's new headlines to consume every single Monday morning so yeah I'm excited about it. Yeah, it's almost too much to keep up with. But I mean, at some point, it's going to level out. So for fans of the sport, or if you're starting to become a fan of the sport, like pay attention, soak it all up, enjoy it. I mean, this is a really special time in competitive running right now. And Mm -hmm. we are we are watching it unfold like every week. And that's and that's pretty cool. That's a cool way to put it. I, yeah, it is. It feels like we're in some sort of new era or in a transition point that's really special. All right. Anything else that we should touch on before we wrap up this first edition of Common Ground? Um, I guess one random thing that I wanted to know is what you're listening to right now, musically. <laughs> so. Hit um, me with a recommendation. <laughs> I, I, I will hit you with a recommendation. So I actually, well, Christine and I actually just got new phones like a month ago. So we switched our phone plans. Mm-hmm. And because of that, we got a free year of Apple Music. And I did oh, not yeah. subscribe to any music subscription services prior to that. But I was like, well, it's free. I'll give it a shot. Um, I didn't do Spotify or, oh, right. or any you, of that sort of stuff. I remember you telling me that. Yeah. So I usually compile my own playlists. But I have been exploring a lot of the like Apple acoustic playlists and they have like classic acoustic they have like modern acoustic they have all these you know all these different acoustic radio stations and i am really enjoying just the acoustic classic radio station on apple music and i like the randomness of it i mean it's kind of like pandora (laughs) i guess in that way but i never know what's (laughs) i know what's i never know what's going to pop up next and for me, it's all stuff that's like 70s, 80s, and, and a couple like 90s songs are, are sort of slipping in there. Some covers as well. But I think you'll appreciate this. But what happened is um, Cat Stevens' Wild World came on. <laughs> and it made me think of my mom. Aww. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go on a Cat Stevens kick. So then I went over to YouTube, which on YouTube you will find – the best, the most obscure live and acoustic performances of pretty much like any artist anywhere, like stuff that just doesn't show up on Spotify, doesn't show up on Apple Music, Pandora, any of the other places. Um, So I made myself a Cat Stevens playlist on YouTube. (laughs) And it is live Cat Stevens from like the 70s. But then there are also um, some more recent versions, like he did NPR's Tiny Desk. Uh, so I have that one in there. That's He's done awesome. a couple other shows in, in the last five years, which were pretty memorable. He does one, uh, he has a song called Father and Son, and he actually yep, like sang it <laughs> with his with his son, um, which was awesome. So 
I'm I'm like not rediscovering because I've been listening to him my entire life, but I am on a big Cat Stevens kick right now. Love it. Well, on a, I guess on a yeah, sort you of have to answer the same question. Similar, what, what are you listening to right now? Vein uh, in the sort of similar vein. I listened to this podcast called Bandsplain. I don't know if you know what it is, but no. it's this woman who does deep dives into bands and brings like, or, you know, musicians, artists, and brings in other experts, industry professionals, people who have maybe written about that particular artist or, you know, whatever it may be. And they just talk about them. They give a history. And it's actually, it is on Spotify because they do um, songs in between. So that's the only reason I really like the the layout of it because you can listen to clips of the podcast and then they'll play the song they're talking about right after. But because of that podcast, I have been on a Steely Dan kick and I was already a Steely Dan fan, but it's been hilarious to have the kind of commentator and the host and the host being a woman break down Steely Dan and sort of what he meant to men coming of age at the time his music was released and you know how he has had this resurgence of fans that are unlike maybe his fans before and like I'm obviously a fairly young woman of color so it's I think it's always a little interesting that I love Steely Dan that's Um, really interesting but that podcast was very interesting to me and funny at times uh you know kind of maybe maybe roasting (laughs) some old school Steely Dan fans just a bit uh in in calling it dad music a little bit there that's fair I think (laughs) that's totally very fair. fair um but I'm a huge fan of Steely Dan because of my dad of course and I've been on a kick of that and then more more contemporary uh, I've been listening a lot to the new EP by Krung Bin and Leon Bridges it's called Texas Moon it's like a companion EP to their uh, Texas Sun fr- from 2020 and if you're someone who likes soul or indie like R&B type of stuff Leon Bridges is amazing so having him be in conversation with uh, Krung Bin musically is very beautiful and the new EP is fantastic and I love it so those are my recommendations <laughs> cool I have to check that out and Band Splain is the name of that yeah podcast okay yeah. Okay, I'm not familiar with that one. Um, I've shared my newsletter before about Song Exploder, yep. which is listen, another I to that too, yeah. awesome podcast. And that they bring on the artist to talk about the mm-hmm. song and how it came to be. They did an awesome one. I linked this in the newsletter a couple weeks ago with Franz Ferdinand, well, the band Franz Ferdinand. Yeah. And um, yeah, just super cool, like deep dives right. into and the music. And they did that but- one on the Lumineers too that I think you mentioned to me. Yes, they I'm pretty did. sure they did one on the Lumineers and, about, but it was a, about but it was, one on... But it was a while, yeah. But it was a while ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, 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 no. I don't think they've done one on Brightside with Maybe Lumineers. Maybe I'm thinking of I a think, different one. I think that was something else that I may have I may have shared with you. But um, the Lumineers' new album, Brightside, is amazing. Yeah. So definitely well, check that out. One random funny thing, music related, is that I will be at uh, like total throwback. I feel like this is funny to me, but I will be at a Jimmy Eat World Dashboard Confessional concert this weekend. <laughs> So I'm like, my my partner uh, is very into music. We listen to all kinds of music and we're always talking about music. And if I could have another podcast, it would be about music. But uh, his family member works in the music industry. So we go to a lot of concerts and we'll be we'll be seeing some some middle school favorites this weekend. <laughs> I'm jealous that you're going to see Dashboard this weekend excited. especially yes, all right well, in, a, in a small venue by the way so i'm gonna really live out my dreams there <laughs> all right this conversation's over we're done 
I'm just kidding. Enjoy the show. Um, this was an awesome first episode of Common Ground. We're going to be doing this at the end of each month. We will mm-hmm. be sharing it in our respective podcast feeds. If you're not already, subscribe to the Grounded Podcast with Danae Dormy um, or the Morning Shakeout Podcast hosted by me, Mario Fraioli, wherever you get your audio and let us know what you thought of yeah. this show. Um, you can hit us up on social media. I'm at the AM Shakeout on Instagram and Twitter. Danae. Mm-hmm. And I'm at Grounded Pod on Instagram and Twitter as well. Or you can go to my website, groundedpod.com, and you know, let me know if you have any feedback. I have a contact form there. I love hearing from listeners. Yeah, thank you all so much for joining us in this first episode. I hope we can kind of keep this up and, and continue to add more and more content to this. And it's been really fun. <laughs> Likewise, we will catch you all next month. All right, that's it for this first installment of Common Ground. I hope you enjoyed it. Please hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at the AM Shakeout and let us know what you thought. A big thank you to New Balance and Gooder for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. I've been running most of my miles over the past couple of years in some version of the New Balance Fresh Foam 1080. The current model is the V11. It is available at your local run specialty store or online at newbalance.com. Check it out if you're looking for a workhorse of a trainer. And also a big thank you to Gooder. Gooder are my favorite sunglasses. I run in them. I drive in them. I walk in them. My favorite style are the OGs and my favorite colors are a Ginger Soul and Mick and Keith's Midnight Ramble. They are super stylish, super affordable with most pairs coming in at 25 to 35 bucks a piece. Check them out for yourself at gooder.com slash Mario. That's G-O-O-D-R.com slash Mario. Use the code Mario15. That's Mario in all caps, M-A-R-I-O, and get 15% off of your purchase. Also, a big thank you to my man, John Summerford, who is the audio ninja for the morning shakeout. He makes every episode sound clear and amazing, and I could not do this without his help. Also, shout out to Chris Douglas for handling sponsorship sales and Jeff Stern for the social media and editorial assistance. If you haven't signed up for the morning shakeout newsletter, you can do that at themorningshakeout.com slash subscribe. And every Tuesday morning, you'll get an email from me with a roundup of things that I've been thinking about reading, watching, and listening to lately. That's themorningshakeout.com slash subscribe. That's all I've got. I'm Mario Fraioli, and you've been listening to the Morning Shakeout Podcast. <laughs>